0: Welcome to The Shift, the podcast that empowers you to make a change in your life and chase your dreams with passion and purpose. If you are tired of feeling stuck in a life that doesn't fulfill you. If you have big dreams and ambitions but struggle to turn them into reality. If you want to break free from self-doubt and limited beliefs join us every week to listen to inspiring stories from regular people just like you actionable insights and the motivation you need to make the shift towards your own dreams and please don't forget to share subscribe and leave us a review to help spread the message and inspire others
1: hey shifters welcome to the next episode of the of our show the shift today i have Yaden Smith with us. It's a... Uh, Yaden is actually one of uh, my uh, mentors, I would say. He's running a successful multifamily group on Facebook. He's doing awesome things. He was a realtor before and in, in the last three years, he went from zero to 900 doors. And I'm very honored to have him on our show. And we're going to we're going to ask him questions on how he did it, how he made that shift, how he became what he became. Yaden, welcome to the show,
2: Eugene, I'm honored that you invited me to participate with this. I love getting to talk about life and my story, and glad that you're in our mentorship group. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. really appreciate it, then so, for people who are listening to us and watching us, they don't really know you. So why not we started with the first question like, Who are you? And what you did you do before you became a real estate investor?
2: Sure. Right now I live I live just outside Charleston, South Carolina. I got married, have four children, fourteen down to seven. So life is always chaotic at my house. I've been doing multifamily syndication for three years. I've been in the online education about that industry for just about one year, about about 13, 14 months. We've only been doing the education stuff since about April of last year. And yeah, just like you said, when we started the syndication, we started doing that three years ago, and now we have over 900 doors, we have several hundred students, and and they're closing deals. They're on their path to get 900 doors or more. Uh, but before that, I did. I partnered up with my cousin Jennings. We started doing property management because uh, we were both in transactional industries. He was a custom home builder. I was a residential real estate agent helping people buy and sell. And that was my, I was in real estate, the residential side back in 14 is when I started and almost went broke my first year because that's a hundred percent commission, but survived and started making some money. But I really got tired of the transactional nature where I was a high paid freelancer. I had to go find a new client every single time. Every day I was on the hunt for, where's my next client? Where's my next client? Because... You have a closing, whether it's five thousand or fifteen thousand dollars in your pocket, that's great, but that's not going to help me next year. <laughs> that money's already that's money's already spent, like mortgage, cars, utilities, cell phone, all that stuff. So, but before that, I worked for a multi-level marketing company as a health coach, helping people lose weight, because I had to have some income as I transitioned away from youth ministry which was my career out of college. I was in youth ministry for 10 years, but realized I wasn't called to ministry, moved back to my hometown of Somerville and started helping people lose weight, transitioned into real estate. And now here I am, 2022, multifamily syndication, online education. That's
1: quite the story. <laughs> Coming from a youth ministry, helping people losing weight and then becoming a real estate agent, and then becoming a real estate investor. So that-
2: It's last, I forget when I connected these questions, but you've seen it in the calls that we have on a weekly basis inside the deal room where people oftentimes are afraid to ask people for money to invest. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I don't know how to talk to people about potentially investing, and it's a real easy question. Hey, you ever thought about investing in real estate? That's how it starts.
1: <laughs>
2: That's the main question to ask, which is a non threatening question. Like before when I was in when I was a realtor, I had to ask people if they if they were thinking mm-hmm. about moving or if they know somebody who's talking about moving. And as soon as people know you're a realtor, they they're like, Oh, nope. I'm um, I'm good. I don't need a free <laughs> analysis of what my house is worth. I'm not planning to move just They feel when you say, I'm in real estate, they feel like they have a target on their back for a transaction, which Mm -hmm. I get because everybody I looked at had a transaction potential. And then before Mm -hmm. that, so that question was hard. That was a harder question to ask. Then in health coaching, I had to look people in the eye and say, hey, Eugene, anybody that is trying to lose weight, that wants to lose weight, there's no shortage of, of, I mean, obesity is a crisis in this country. There's a Mm. lot of people who maybe should lose weight. And asking that question, that could be insulting. That could get insulting real fast. That was a high pressure question. And then before that, in youth ministry, the question was Hey, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And we would knock on doors in neighborhoods and go on mission trips. And that question is off the charts, difficult to ask. Mm. So (laughs) I find it very interesting that as my career has progressed, the questions that I ask have gotten easier.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you have any fun stories about like uh, asking people right straight in their face, hey, do you know anyone who wants to lose weight?
2: Well, it's when you come from a place of authenticity and being genuine, because I lost 60 pounds as with this program that I became a health coach for. So I personal experience. like I was able to be empathetic like mm-hmm. I know what it's like to look in the mirror and feel like I'm trapped. Mm-hmm. I know what that feels like. It's like, that is not who I am, the person I see, but I'm trapped because the deck is so stacked against me. And coming from that place of authenticity and empathy, I just had to get over myself. It's like, hey, I, if you don't want to lose weight, that's fine. I'm not saying you need to or should. I'm looking for the person who wants to. Mm-hmm. That's the person that I want to help. And I got a pretty thick skin from that. I don't have any interesting stories of being cussed out or, or yelled at, but I do a great story is I approached somebody at my church when I was still in youth ministry because I, I started health coaching at the same time. Mm-hmm. He was 300 pounds plus, and his name was Andy. I said, mm-hmm. Andy. He, he'd seen my journey and said, Andy, I've lost 60 pounds. This is my story. I don't know if this is something you'd be interested in, but I will feel bad if I don't at least offer to have the conversation with you. This is great. He became a client. He lost 60 pounds. And because of his weight loss, he was able to go on like carnival and amusement park rides with his children for the first time. Because he couldn't do that before. That's a big transformation. I mean, it was a huge transformation. So seeing people's lives change really means a lot. That's a driving force in my life is what do I have that's valuable to people that I care about to make their lives better. And now with multifamily syndication, giving somebody an opportunity to invest in an asset that's relatively safe, relatively protected against inflation, relatively stable. I know there's always the horror story. Yeah, I invested in real estate, went and lost everything. I get it. There's still risk. But overall, relatively, there's a lot less risk in a real estate transaction. The value is not gonna go to zero. With stock stock market, right, right. You can buy a stock, uh, oh, like Redfin and Zillow, right? They just eliminated a lot of their workforce. Well, not a lot, a certain percentage of their workforce, because they're not making a profit. (laughs) Yeah, and if they don't make a profit for too long, their value is just going to keep going down and down and down and down and down until it gets to zero. With real estate, even if a real estate asset is not necessarily making a profit, it still has value as dirt, sticks, bricks, concrete, roofs. Windows, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's still inherent value there.
1: Yeah, that's a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Hey, I wanna go back, for example, I wanna go back for a minute to the time when you said, when you were a real estate agent, you almost got broke. I wanna go back to that time for a second and sort of dive a little bit deeper into what was going on in your head at that time?
2: <laughs> Panic. <laughs> I started, I made the shift from health coaching into real estate just like that. In a mo- I, I thought, I've gone as far as I can with health coaching. This is not going to create the financial future that I want for my children, for my grandchildren. I'm not going to be able to impact the world enough with this vehicle. Mm-hmm. But when I jumped into real estate, uh, I jumped without a net. It was February of 14 when I got my license, and I think that year I closed not even a million dollars in transactions, mm-hmm. which three a figure of 3%, my side of the commission, almost $30,000. The broker took his cut. So, I think my first year in real estate, I made $18,000 mm-hmm. with a family of five. Yeah. <laughs> and- Fortunately, I had two credit cards, both with USAA. I earmarked one is business and one is personal. And everything went on the credit cards. Mm -hmm. And and by the end of the year, I think I had $5,000 left on one before I hit the wall. And I had like $7,000 left on the other before I hit the wall. Wow. And so I was closing in on my runway was getting shorter and shorter. but. I kept hustling. I kept talking to people, kept going to events, going to networking events, talking to more and more people, following up with people, doing everything that the mentor that I had at the time told me to do, trusting that the process would work. It was just a matter of time. And that's what happened. Finally, I stopped sinking like a stone. Started So at the end of that year, I stopped free fall, and then I was just kind of... Sinking slower and then it stopped, and then slowly started to float back up out of the red over the next six months. Wow,
1: so at that time you were still a real estate agent,
2: yeah, that was my first year in real estate. Then I had a successful career. My biggest year, I had forty transactions that I closed by myself uh, making making more money than I ever had in my life. but still it was it wasn't w two but it was transactional. I always had to be searching for my next client. I always had to be on the hunt for where's my next where's my next commission check because that's the nature of that business. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And uh, something that you mentioned earlier I think was so valuable, you had a mentor, right, mm-hmm. In, when you were a real estate agent.
2: Yeah. But- when I got into real estate, I... Went to the, the, the brokerage that I connected with here in the Charleston market. It's an independent brokerage, but it's the largest one in the area. They do 30% of the volume in our market year after year after year. That's pretty big. So they have, they have trainings, and they have their own in-house training program. I went to all the classes. I went to all the trainings. I, they was like, oh, here's how you do an open house. I did open houses. I knocked on doors. I tried cold calling. I tried letters. I tried everything that they said to do. They're like, okay, I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking in, in talking with other agents that were very successful that had long careers. Like, hey, what other piece do I need to add to my daily routine, my weekly routine, in order to be able to take off the runway before I crash
1: mm-hmm.
2: in this industry? And whatever they told me to do, I just put my head down and did. Like, okay. If that's what I need to do, that's what I'm going to do. Cool. Basically, you're like a soldier. Like, hey, do this. Pretty much. Pretty much like, give me, tell me what to do, and I'm going to go do it. Wow. Cool. And clearly,
1: some of those tactics or all of those tactics did work, right? Because you became more successful.
2: Right. And, and it's been my, most of my working career... Or even before I started working, I joined Boy Scouts when I was little, and I decided right out of the gate, oh, I'm going to become an Eagle Scout. I just Mm -hmm. put my head down, did everything on the checklists, did it like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm here for. And I accomplished that when I was a teenager. Uh, When I went to college, I was like, okay, what do I have to do to get graduate summa cum laude? Like, what do I have to do to get good grades? Talk with the professors, talk with the teachers. How do I excel in this environment? In ministry, the same thing. How do I excel? I was always trying to find somebody that I could look to to give me guidance for how do I excel in this space Mm -hmm. instead of trying to reinvent the wheel.
1: Nice. So basically what you're saying, you were looking for people who have already done it, who were already Mm -hmm. successful, and you just went after those people and asked all the right questions.
2: Well, mostly I started with the wrong questions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like how do i do what you do that's not a good question to ask like it, it's too complicated for me to explain over a cup of coffee but consistently finding people who were emulating who i wanted to be who were doing what i wanted to do who had the income that i wanted to have those sorts of things like i want to be like this person what is this person doing and then do the best I could to model that behavior, model those actions, and and incorporate that into my routines. That's and it's no different. It's no different with apartments. Yeah, right. We uh, yeah, Jennings and I, yeah, Jennings is my <laughs> cousin and my partner. It was It was just over three, like three and a half years ago, when he's like, "Yayden, we got to start buying apartments instead of managing them." I'm like, "Well, <laughs> we don't have no money, so how does that work?" He's like, "Check out this course that I bought last year online." It was a thousand dollar course that he bought somewhere. That he had watched all the videos and studied all the stuff. He gave me access to that, and I watched all the videos. I studied all the stuff, and like, okay, let's. What could what's the worst could happen? Let's tell people we buy apartments and see what happens. And then we, from there, we went to. It was one specific conference we went to, Commercial Empire with a guy named Tim Bratz. He doesn't have the live events anymore, but we spent thousands of dollars to fly across the country. Well, we spent money to fly to an event that cost thousands of dollars for three days. And there, we not only learned how he did things, but we were in a room of legit operators, legit syndicators, like for real investors, capital raisers, because they'd spent thousands of dollars to be there. And we had spent thousands of dollars to be there. So we instantly had a little bit of credibility, like, oh, If you've invested in yourself to be in this room, I'm going to take you seriously. And that was where we built the relationship that we still have now with our loan sponsor team that had the balance sheet, had the net worth, had the high liquidity that the banks look at to see, oh, back then I had zero assets, liquidity of 10 grand in my bank just so I could pay the mortgage for a few months. The bank would look at me like, nope, we're not... You can't, you, you're no good for a $2 million loan. We're not, we're not doing that. They look at they look at our partner, uh, look at Chad with massive portfolio, massive high liquidity, like, oh, yeah, we'll loan you guys $2 million. He can pay it back. He can pay it back all by himself. No problem. Wow. <laughs> so building those relationships, but being in the room with the people that are doing what you want to do. So you can show that you're serious, show that you have value to bring, build a relationship, and then move forward. That's what happened to us. Yeah.
1: That's great. A lot of people, when they see such a big price tag, it kind of scares them, right? It scares them to invest into themselves to be with people that they actually need to be. Do you have any sort of advice to these people who want to do something, they want to be there, but this type of big price tags, they do scare Mm -hmm. them.
2: Yes, actually, that's a great question because I remember Jennings telling me, because when we first got started with apartments, we were like, hey, here's this model, here's how this works, here's how much the the connectors get, here's how much the investors get. He's like, hey, this guy, up in Cleveland, his model's the opposite. The connectors, the general partners, they get a huge share of the deal and the investors get a, a much smaller piece of them. Like, oh, that sounds great. And then he's, let's, let's, And I said, let's go to the conference. And he's like, well, the conference is five grand. I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> Why would anybody invest in a model like that? Like, Because I saw the cost of that conference, instantly I thought, well, I don't need that. I'll just do it this way. We'd spend... Thousand fifteen hundred bucks 1500 on the course that Jenny's said because it was scary. It was a significant investment. It was a significant cost to us at the time to do that. The conference cost, flights, lodging, food, and we had a fledgling property management company we were trying to get off the ground.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's one of those things, but then after going and the connections, the relationships that we were able to build there and the really just the small amount of education that we got. We just got, just got a couple points of education that were like, wow, that, I didn't know that before, but hugely valuable. More valuable were the relationships. And what I would say is, it is scary to invest serious money into like a mastermind or a network group or a conference or an event, something. But there's no other way to get into the room with the people that are doing what you want to do without, without that investment. And I can say from personal experience, the investment that I've made in conferences, masterminds, high-level networking events, mm-hmm. if everybody's paying $2,000 to be somewhere, and I know what it costs me to be there, so I'm giving you that credibility that it costs you that much as well to be in the same room with me, to talk. So if you're that serious to write a check to be here, you have my attention. And what do you want to know? And I think that's the thing. It, it's really difficult to wrap your head around until you've done it. Mm-hmm. But once you break through that barrier, it almost feels fake how fast you can go. It's the classic, classic joke where there's the CEO at a news conference, I was holding a press conference and the reporters are asking, him like, how'd you get so good at being a CEO? I was like, how would you your decisions are so good? He's like, well, I'm able to make really good decisions because of my experience. They're like, oh, well, how'd you get all this experience? I got the experience for making bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, if you can, if you can connect with somebody that has already been punched in the head kicked while they're down, fallen, failed, and learn from their mistakes and get that experience, it might cost you $5,000, but it's going to save you five years of time and save you from a $50,000 mistake that you don't even know about that's out there that you could make. It's still hard to come to grips with that before you do it. Yeah. That's a great way to look at at it. At some point, you've got to take the leap of faith.
1: That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for for all the people out there, hey, invest in yourself. I think this is going to be the best thing you've ever done. Like, if you want to invest into something, invest in, into yourself. So, I think, thank you, Aidan. I think this is a great
2: thing. Like, <clears throat> if you don't have any money, the University of YouTube, you don't have to start with spending money. Spend time, spend whatever you can to just learn the material. If it's real estate investing, if you do a YouTube search for how to buy apartments, I guarantee you there'll be 25 videos that you can watch right there. Start watching them, learn some stuff, learn some terms, learn some techniques, learn some structures. And then when you get to the point, you can invest in being someplace with the relationships that you need to get a deal done. I mean, you've seen it, Eugene. I know you're in in our mentorship group the deal room. You've seen how relationships happen, or even just at the event where we were we both were a few weeks ago. A high level mastermind, a couple thousand dollars to go, but those relationships were solidified like, oh, now I have these connections that I can reach out to who I know, who I trust, who know me, who trust me.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah, so how would you, so let's say people go on YouTube, right? They start watching videos that they care about, they want to learn something. How would you pick people who would be trustworthy, like who you have to listen to? If, If you haven't done this before, right, this is your first time going on YouTube, trying to search for something, how would you pick the trust factor of the person mm. talking That's
2: to That's an you? excellent question. And honestly, now that I think about it, I hadn't thought about that before, but if I were to go on YouTube and just do a search for something, I would also do a search on other social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, like where is this person who's putting this content out? What does their life look like? What does their track record look like? What does their uh, what does their, their audience look like? What does their content look like? Do they seem authentic? Do they know what they're doing? Do they have a track record or are they just uh, shooting from the hip?
1: Yeah, great points. Great points. Yeah, so there you go. If you guys uh, don't want to spend too much money right now, I think this is a great suggestion. <laughs> but I also concur with Yaden. If you want to you have to invest into yourself. You have to be with the right people in the right room. And if it's going to cost you a little bit extra, I think it's going to be worth worse spend. Absolutely right. Cool. Well, what's uh, what's driving you, man? Like, what is your why? Like, why do you want to do this? What's behind it?
2: It starts off that the why changes over time. When I first started doing this, I was just like, hey, I got to figure out how to pay bills and make money and and keep the lights on with the family and and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But as we've grown and as that hasn't been a pressing need, I've been able to really sit and think like, okay, why am I doing this? And really what motivates me is seeing someone succeed. Just like. When I was health coaching, seeing so watching a client lose twenty pounds, I absolutely love that. That drove me to help more people. When I see students of ours now closing a deal, raising capital, getting something under contract, like in our last deal sprint cycle of the students that participated, over a hundred lois sent out fourteen deals under contract, seven closings, twenty million in soft commitments from investors. I love that because I know that not only are, is their life changing, but they've changed their family tree. Their children's lives are going to be different. Their grandchildren's mm-hmm. lives are going to be different. I know what my grandfather accomplished in his life, some of it, and my grandchildren are going to look back and is like, wow. Granddad Yate was this next fork in the family tree that changed where we can do what we're doing today. We can have the impact in the world we're doing today because of what granddaddy did 40 years ago.
1: That's a great way to look at it.
2: And by impact, like I really think that philanthropic capitalism is one of the few mechanisms that really changes the world for better. You think about Andrew Carnegie, The industrialist. I know nobody's life is perfect. Everybody has issues. Everybody makes mistakes, and everybody everybody has a good side and an evil side. But (laughs) libraries, universities, endowments, just here in my hometown, there's a park. There's a playground right in the middle of town. Everybody knows it as Laurel Street Park, but it's officially called the Saul Alexander Playground because back in the day, 60, 70 years ago, this guy, Saul Alexander, who had buckets of money, thought, I'm going to make Somerville a better place and buy this place and put up a playground and people are still using it 60 years later having that kind of impact on the community to make people's lives better to make the world a better place that's i want to make more money so i give more away ultimately having more money doesn't mean you have a better life it just means you can you have more options and i want to use those options to make the world make other people's lives better
1: awesome that's, that's amazing. And I, I actually want to see what those amazing things you will be doing, man.
2: We're, we're doing all we can right now. We, my wife and I, we actually have a, uh, we have a giving list and we have a waiting list of organizations that we want to contribute to, but we, we can't yet because the you know, cash flow is not there. But as cash mm-hmm. flow goes up, then organizations and, and charities get to come off the waiting list and go onto the paying list. Nice. To, to just keep, keep pushing money out into the community to make it better. Excellent. I love it. I love it, man. What was one of
1: the... With every shift, right? With every shift that people want to make from A to B, for example, there is some sort of a limited belief factor always. What was yours?
2: Specifically into apartments, yes. the biggest shift was right here in between my ears because... When Jennings first, my cousin, when he first said, hey, what about buying apartments? I was like, well, my last name's not Buffett. It's not Bezos. It's not Trump. It's not Gates. I don't have any money. So I'm not the kind of person who buys apartments. I'm just a normal guy trying to make some money, save, invest, and get ahead. That was was the biggest shift for me mentally going from, hi, my name is Jaden to, hi, my name is Jaden and I buy apartment complexes. And this is who I'm looking for. Because anytime that our identity oftentimes is so tied up with what we do, but that's not really our identity. I'm not an apartment buyer. I'm a man, human, husband, father. What I do is buy apartments and raise money. Raise money and close deals. But it was scary because when you don't have a track record and you say something like that, you're like, huh, ah, no, yay. And I remember you when you were 15. People like <laughs> us don't, don't do stuff like that. And like, nope, are you getting a little bit too big for your britches? Let's, uh, maybe let's maybe let's walk before we run. Let's crawl before we walk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was, that was the biggest shift. And I always think of the scene from The Princess Bride, where the character's name is Enigo Montoya, and he has he repeats this line over and over in his head, like "Hello, my name is Enigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die." Like he just said that over and over in his head until that's who he was, and saying it in my head is like "My name is my apartments. Okay, my name is my apartments." Just telling myself that enough times, you tell yourself something enough times, your brain's going to start to believe it. 100%. Whether it's true or not, your brain <laughs> will latch to it. So you may as well give your brain something good and positive to aim for instead of, my name is Jaden, and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Right? It's like, that's not helpful.
1: Not helpful at all. That's awesome, man. Is there any educational resource that helped you uh, along the way to become who you became? And so we, was...
2: started off with, we started what? off with Michael Blanc's apartment syndication course. Mm-hmm. Then we went to Tim Brott's Commercial Empire, which now is completely online. Mm-hmm. And now we've even developed our own education product through My First Million in Multifamily with our Facebook group and with our deal room mm-hmm. where... We found that the education, more education, is most of the time not the answer. Yep. Because by the time somebody finds us online, usually it's like, oh, they've read some, they've listened to some podcasts, whatever they have. We found that the accountability and the weekly mentoring, the weekly accountability from the deal sprint the, the teams that we put people in on an eight-week cycle, that's really where you got to have a team. You got to put yourself in an environment. I learned in real estate, I learned in health coaching, and I got the phrase that I used from my real estate coach, environment trumps will. If you're you trying to go. lose weight, if you're trying to lose weight, you can't go to the Pizza Hut buffet Sunday after church with all your buddies anymore. You can't. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can do it one or two weeks, but eventually your willpower will break down and you will fall into the lowest common denominator of the environment that you're in. You got to go find the people that's like, oh, after church, we're going to go for a walk and eat salad. Hang out with those people. Mm -hmm. Same thing in real estate. I had to put myself in an environment of action with apartments and syndication and capital raising. We've worked to develop an environment that people can plug into that pulls them towards success where you follow these action steps, you plug yourself into this community, you build relationships and closing your first apartment deal. It's not if it's not, if this is going to happen, it's when Mm -hmm. it will happen. It's just a matter of time. So
1: I think it's great. I think maybe (laughs) one thing like to add to the accountability, right, is consistency, right? Mm, yeah. You gotta be consistent in executing things, right?
2: I was at a, a event earlier this year with uh, the Legacy Family, a mastermind that I'm in, and the speaker, Pat Precourt is his name, former MMA guy, and he's, uh, he was talking about physical fitness and training, and, and he runs a gym. He said, I saw it consistently. The guy who shows up 90% of the time doing 10% effort will always outperform the guy that shows up 10% of the time with 90% effort.
1: Wow. That's a powerful line.
2: And Right now, I'm training for a full Ironman in September, mm-hmm. and it's far more beneficial for me to run a 5K every day instead of running 35K once a week. Mm-hmm that simple effort over time in another group i mean is consistency compounds and it compounds fast. It doesn't compound as fast as people want until suddenly it starts. And they're like, whoa, I'm way farther ahead than where I thought it would be by now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I think it's awesome. So you're training for the Ironman. That's uh, fantastic. How long have you been doing that?
2: What time is it now? Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I've been running now for a bunch of years. I swam my whole life growing up here on the coast in pool, very comfortable in the water. So biking, cycling is the key component I'm focused on now because it's going to be a six or seven hour ride at 15, 16 miles an hour. So I'm a little bit nervous about that, but I have 91 days left. I've been uh, dialing up my training consistently. So long rides on the weekends, short rides during the week, long runs on the weekends, short runs during the week, swimming three, four times a week. The deadline is coming. I got 91 days till the start of the event, which means I only have about 85 days to train. So I can yeah. taper my training and then be nice and fresh for the day of the event.
1: Good luck to you, man.
2: <laughs> Thanks, brother.
1: <laughs> I think it's going to be huge. And I was like, I think I wanted to train for the Ironman uh, myself uh, a while back, but so much going on uh, in my life right now that it's nearly impossible to devote so much time to it. But at one point I will do it. There you go. At one point I will do it. <laughs> hey, so what's next for you, man? It's, uh, what is the next big, what what is the next big goal? Uh... What is your next big big challenge that you're
2: trying to solve? Well, we got we got the Ironman coming up in September, but then right now, of, with our with our real estate portfolio, we're focused on how fast can we get everything stabilized with the uncertainty that there is with the economy for the next six eighteen months, mm-hmm. with interest rates going up, with the things that are happening in global markets and with yep. real estate and inflation and everything, how do we, we're focused very intentionally on making sure what we have now is as stable as we can make it as fast as we can, and then pile up the resources also as fast as we can to prepare ourselves for the next opportunity, which I know there's opportunity now. I think the opportunity is going to be continue to grow and expand over the next six months, year and a half.
1: Interesting everyone is talking about opportunities. Opportunities are coming. Opportunities are coming. No one is talking about what type of opportunities. (laughs) What do you think the opportunities will be?
2: I think it'll happen where somebody who made a play in real estate, assuming that, like we all were assuming last year, like, oh, interest rates are going to be 3% forever and value is just going to keep climbing up over the next 10 years because rents are just going to keep going up I think there will be some people who made bad decisions, unfortunately, in the past year that the Piper's going to come to call and unfortunately there'll be some blood in the water, but that creates opportunity for those that are waiting for the right moment, preparing themselves, getting the education, building those relationships that they need, whether it's with investors, with a loan sponsor, with uh, operators, capital raisers, so that when the opportunity presents itself... They have the relationships to take a deal down. Yeah. So for everyone who
1: is out there and you want to jump into the real estate, I think what Yadin is saying, there are going to be massive opportunities, but you have to prepare yourself. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the interesting things to prepare, like how to prepare yourself is what we just discussed, go into the room with people that have already done it. Go and talk to those people. One of these rooms, I can tell you, it's actually Yaden's room, right? Yaden's and Jane's room. My first million in multifamily on Facebook. I think plug yourself in, start building relationships. And there's also a private group, right, Yaden? That's right,
2: yeah. Our Our large group, my first million in multifamily, it's free. We do videos every week, lots of content, lots of educational stuff in there, lots of activity. We curate it pretty hard to keep the spammers out. Don't need anything about forex or anything like that. <laughs> and then in our membership group, the first million in multifamily deal room—that's our membership private group, where we open it once a month for new members to come in. There is a cost; it's I think three forty-seven a month is what we charge for that. And really, we have to charge so people take it seriously. Like if we didn't charge, if we, we have a free group. And there's not a whole lot of relatively to the deal room. In the deal room, people are closing deals. People are taking it seriously because it's costing them something. They're investing in themselves to be in that room and to build those relationships. So yes, free. we have free education stuff all over Facebook. We have subscription, membership, mentoring, and accountability, and education stuff available inside the deal room. So obviously I'm biased but I think what we have is pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> I can vouch. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, what you guys do. That's that's actually one of the reasons I'm uh, part of your not only free education, but also not a free education. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, did you've been in the do room. I can't remember how many, but you've been in there for months. You've been in there for a while now, building relationships, getting your base set, Getting ready so that when the opportunity shows up, you're gonna be able to take whatever you want down.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's constantly new people that you guys are adding. It's it's a, a lot more opportunities to actually network and connect with uh, with new yeah. folks.
2: The opportunities continue to grow and continue to expand.
1: <laughs> yes, sir. All uh, right, awesome. Well, so we're coming we're coming into uh, our final round and. Usually call it fun round. How fun, we'll see. But hey, I may probably ask like three questions. Try to think fast. Machine gun style. Go for it. Machine gun style. So question number one. What is your go-to Halloween costume?
2: My go-to Halloween costume? We have this squid hat with big googly eyes on it. (laughs) <laughs> and I figured out how to like, how to fold a t-shirt over your head so it, it just like slits like a ninja. So I put a black t-shirt on, put squid hat on, and I look like there's my head is a squid. That's my go-to these days. <laughs> nice.
1: If in 100 years science fails to save us all and all that is left a book about your life, what would the title be, and what would the blurb
2: tell us about Jaden Smith? Oh, my gosh. What would the title be? The title would be, It's Okay to Be Angry. It's Not Okay to Be Mean. Mm-hmm. My, the, the past the past five years, I've done a lot of self-reflection, self-growth on my own personal journey. Coming to grips with my emotions, is that the way I was programmed growing up by various things, it was not healthy. And one thing we say constantly in our family is, hey, it's okay to be angry. It's, oh, sorry. It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to hurt people. Mm-hmm. Like, Anger is just an emotion that happens, and that's okay. It's not okay to hurt people. And then there'd be chapters about all the times that I screwed up and I was angry and I hurt people and the lessons I learned.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like, you're, it looks like you, it's going to be a, a great book.
2: Well, I've been writing, I've been writing, I have a bunch of stuff published on medium.com. It's just a self-published blogging site. So my goal is to have a book written probably next year to compile it all and get it published in book form. I don't know if that will be the title, but a hundred years from now, if, if that's all that's left, I think that'd be a good title. That'd be a good title.
1: Awesome. That's so cool. If you have a, and the last question. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why?
2: Okay, so I had a great idea for a billboard when I was in residential real estate. Okay. I wouldn't do it now because I'm not in that industry, but my my bill is going to be me just like arms folded, looking like this, and it it would be, you could hire, sure, you could hire a realtor without a beard, but why risk it? (laughs) 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 That's
1: awesome. That's awesome. Well, Yaden, thank you so much for coming into the show. If people want to connect with you, how can they find you?
2: Eugene, thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Facebook, Yadon Smith, Y-E-A-D-O-N. You can learn about The Deal Room at, it's the acronym of our group, dot com. You can learn about what we do in The Deal Room. You find me on Instagram, Yadon S. Fortunately, with my unique name, it's not difficult for people to find me on any of the social stuff. You have a
1: pretty unique name. Actually, you're the first person that I met, that name, uh, Yaden.
2: It's a name, Aiden. I can't take any credit. It's my dad's middle name, and it's an old family name going way back, but it makes up for Smith. Okay. <laughs> That's
1: awesome. Thank you so much, Aiden, for coming in. Really
2: enjoyed our conversation. Eugene, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you very much. Talk
0: soon, brother. Ciao. We hope that today's episode has inspired you to take action towards building the life you've always wanted. Don't forget to leave us a review, share, and subscribe to our podcast for more empowering stories, actionable insights, and motivation to help you make the shift towards your own dreams. Thanks again for listening to The Shift.